Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Thank you for joining me for episode 12. We are starting a new series, and we're going to be talking about facing our fears after the death of our child. Fear brings torment. The Bible tells us that, and that is true. I think we can all say we have experienced this. And as parents grieving the earthly loss of our child, it is easy to feel the full weight of that torment, isn't it? So what are some of the fears that we're going to be discussing in these next few weeks? Well, how about I'm afraid no one will remember my child? The fear of being afraid to enjoy life without our child. We can feel really guilty about that, right? A big one, how about I'm afraid of losing another child? We're going to be talking about the fear of our grief triggers. That's another big one. How about I'm afraid I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy, right? And the last one is a really big one. I'm afraid that my child might not be in heaven. If we are afraid of something, it means that that thing has more power over us than we do over it, over that thing that we're afraid of. So if we're afraid to face the pain of our grief and to work our way through it, That means our fear will continue to grip us and control us. And I don't believe this is what you want for yourself. And I certainly don't want it for you. There is something much more powerful than our very deepest fears. And that is God's love for us. God's perfect love casts out all fear. That's in 1 John 4, 18. And if we have fear, it's because we don't believe in his perfect love for us. And that's understandable because it's hard to reconcile in our minds how we can trust a God who says he loves us, but he allowed this terrible thing to happen to our child and to us. And I just want to say there's no easy fix or solution to this, although it really is very black and white. We either believe God is good and Satan is evil, or we don't. We either fear that God isn't big enough, or we have faith that he is more than enough. And if I could make God do whatever I wanted him to do, we pray the right prayers, we do the right things, and that includes him stepping in to stop the death of my child or your child, If I can make him do whatever I want, then he's no longer God, is he? He becomes a magic genie in a bottle, a genie in a lamp that we can rub. And he pops out and he says, your wish is my command. And he makes all of our wishes come true. That's not who God is. And I don't want God to be limited to what people tell him to do. I I don't want a God like that. I want a God who's bigger than that. I want a God who's more powerful than that, that people cannot control him by what we want, no matter how painful those things are that come our way. I want a God who's so big that our minds cannot comprehend who he is and what he does and how he does it. And I don't just want him to be like this. I need 
God to be so much bigger than what I want in life. I choose to live my life with faith in that kind of a God, a God whose love is perfect, going beyond what my mind can make sense of. And because he loves with a perfect love, I don't have to walk in any fear because he is with me. And I know that someday, probably not here, but someday I will get to see the whole picture that I am very blinded to right now. This whole thing about God having a perfect love, one of the podcasts, we're going to be discussing that subject in a little bit more depth and detail because I know that's really hard for us to grasp and to believe even that he has a perfect love, that God is perfect love. It's impossible for God to not love perfectly. And that's really hard for us sometimes to understand that or accept that or believe it. So we're going to talk about that in one of the later podcasts on this subject of fear. I want to share with you a few things to hopefully help you make a shift in how you see God in the midst of your fears that are caused by the pain of the tragedy of the death of your child. I think I've got seven ways here. So the first one I want to talk about is some parents are helped by the realization that their child isn't missing that he or she is simply absent. There are some parents that will say, my child's not lost, because we'll say we lost our child, and they'll say, I know where my child is. To be absent means not to be present for the moment. So our child is absent. They're just not here for the moment. And yeah, while we're here, it seems like a very long moment, but once we get there with our child, it is going to seem like a moment. The Bible says for someone who has accepted the gift of salvation to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. Like I said, there are some people that will say, I didn't lose my child. I haven't lost my child. I know exactly where my child is. And I understand what they're saying. But I have lost my child from this earth. And Becca is now absent from my presence for the rest of my time here on earth. And this is one of those times where perspective can change everything. Because I can either focus on my personal loss, that my child is absent from this earth, and the permanency of that for as long as I'm alive here on earth, Or I can focus on the fact that my child is absent from this earth, yes, but she's present with the Lord. And even though the pain is so intense and the darkness is so dark, I will meet up with my child again in our eternal home. And we will never be separated like this ever again. That's part of God's perfect love. He made a way so that when this earth is done, we will be together and we will never have to go through this separation again. You may not feel like changing the focus like this, but personally, this is a choice that I've made. And I strongly recommend that you make the choice to the second perspective. Start focusing on where your child is is where he or she is and what is going on in heaven there are books you can read about that a really good book that i've read recently is called imagine heaven read books about heaven find out everything you can about heaven what does the bible have to say about heaven this is where your child is and the more we can focus on where they are 
and less on our personal loss, it will make things start to ease, that pain start to ease. It's not going to take it away, but it will start to ease for you. You may feel like, but I don't know if my child is in heaven. And we are going to have a podcast on that subject specifically. So you're going to want to listen to that one when it comes out. So I'm not going to talk about it here. But you can choose whether you're going to live in that torment, or if you're going to choose to believe and have faith that God did what he needed to do, and your child did what he or she needed to do, and they are in heaven waiting for you. Another thing that might help you shift your perspective and seeing God and his perfect love for you and for your child is being able to take our needs and our fears to God in prayer. And that might be hard for some of you if you're angry at God and you're struggling with this. And I have that podcast about forgiving God, and we talk about this the entire podcast. But being able to do that, even taking your anger and your raw emotions and the reality of exactly how you feel, it's okay to take all of that stuff to God. In fact, you need to, because that's what a relationship does. That's what a relationship is, right? We share our hearts with each other, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when I do that, it makes a huge difference in my life because it keeps me from feeling so helpless in a circumstance that I have no control over. And praying and talking to God about it gives me much more control over how I respond to my feelings and my fears. I can't control the situation. I can't bring Becca back. I can't do anything about the fact that she's gone. But when I talk to God about it and I spend time with him, it helps me in how I see it and how I respond and how I feel and puts a lid on those fears for me. And it Maybe that the only thing I have control over sometimes is my communication with God. But in reality, that's enough to be able to talk to God about that and to sit and listen to him respond and to love on you. It's a wonderful thing. I think of Peter's answer when Jesus asked his 12 followers, will you lead me also? And Peter's answer was, Lord, who else can we go to? Because you have the words that give life that lasts forever. That's John 8, verses 67 and 68. For a lot of years, I have said that Jesus isn't a crutch to me. He's not something that I lean on in times of trouble. He is my wheelchair. I cannot go through this life without him carrying me through it, and especially now with the grief of losing my daughter. That is truer now than it ever has been. The third idea or thought is having the revelation that God always leads us into triumph. I remember during a worship song one day at church, I had a revelation that if I bring God into my battle, including the battle of my fears and my darkness, then I'm going to win because it is impossible for God to lose. He has never entered a battle that he hasn't won. See, he is the alpha. He's the omega. That means he is the beginning and he is the end. God has the first word and God has the last word in my life. And he also has the last word in the life of my child and your child. 
as soon as I ask God to fight for me, I know that somehow in the end, I am going to come out triumphant and victorious. And that final victory isn't going to be here on this earth. It's going to be when we're done here. But he has the final word. And he always leads us into triumph. So we don't have to live the rest of our lives in some of these tormenting fears that we have now that our child has died. How about reading the book of Psalms in the Bible? That can be extremely helpful because there are so many times when David and some of the other writers of the Psalms, they're crying out for help from a very dark place of despair. And God responds by being a rock and a refuge and a help in time of need. I can spend a lot of time in the Psalms when I relapse and I find myself struggling with the pain and the reality that Becca's gone and I'm not going to see her again until I join her in heaven. I love to pour over the Psalms and read them because it's such a, a raw heart cry of desperation. And God answers with who he is and just reminds us the things that we need to be reminded of. How about not looking back and allowing yourself to be paralyzed by the pain of trying to stay in the past, which no longer exists. Now hear me out, okay? Because I know that there are people that will tell us you have to move on. You know, you're living too much in the past. I had someone tell me that and it hurt and it made me mad. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to be cruel here. Believe me, I'm not. I want to set you free. But the truth is, no matter how much you want your child's life back, no matter how much I want Becca back here with me, it's just not going to happen. And I was looking back, I was drowning in what I didn't have and the loss and what had happened. And I especially did a lot of journaling during those early years when Becca died. And I want to read you something. When I hear God speak to my heart, a lot of times I'll write it down. And I want to read to you what I heard God telling me one day about this. He said, Laura, don't look back. Go forward with everything you've got. Lot's wife looked back and she was frozen to a place where she died. She could not go anywhere because she looked back. I know that may seem harsh, but it will become a tormenting fear that will paralyze you. Don't look back at the crushing because if you look back to ponder on and relive the death, you won't be able to walk in the power of my resurrection life. Live you shall live and not die. I speak over you that you shall live and not die. I speak life into your soul, into your very being. Life. Receive it. Just receive this new life I am giving you. You will grow stronger in it each day that you come to me to drink. So drink daily. Drink deeply, for it will be a wellspring of life in you and through you. Cross over from death to life. Cross over from sorrow into joy. Cross over into new depths of my love and my will and my ways for your life. That's what I believe God spoke to me in, in that time of need. When you are in the beginning of this grief journey, the dark is so dark and you have to go through it. It's just on us. We don't have a choice. It's there. It consumes us. I know that. I've been there and I've fought that. And I've, I've, I've 
died under that, okay? I know what it's like to just feel like you have died when your child died and you don't want to be here anymore. And for a lot of us, it's it's not that we want to end our own life. We just don't want to be here when we beg God to take us, right? We will get to a place eventually where we can start making choices, where we start to see just little cracks of light, and we get to choose whether we're going to go towards that light or whether we're going to stay in the darkness or turn around and keep facing the darkness and refusing to receive even the tiniest bit of light. And so that's what this is talking about. This last one that I just talked about is not continuing to look back when you begin to see that glimmer of light. The sixth one is don't try to hide from your fears or pretend they aren't there. Because God wants us to bring all of our feelings to him, even the ones you wish you didn't have. You may be wondering, he knows these things already, so why should I have to tell him how I'm feeling? Because you need to admit those things so that you can give them to God and let him work with you at being set free. Fear and anxiety come from the enemy. And as long as you keep it hidden or try to keep it hidden and don't want to talk to God about it, as long as you kind of isolate yourself within that, the enemy is not exposed and he can continue to just grip those claws in you. When you take these feelings to God, like I said, the, even the ugly stuff, it is a way of affirming your trust in him, regardless of how you feel. And if you do this persistently, your feelings of fear will eventually lose their hold on you. They have to. And you'll find that your feelings do start lining up with the faith and being able to trust him again. The last one I want to talk about here is claiming the promises of God. And once again, it's not based on how you feel, but based on the truth of what God says. See, there's Romans 8.18. I have chosen to believe that. And it tells me that the sufferings of this present time cannot even be compared with the glory that will be revealed in me. And it's like, my goodness, that has got to be some glory because I think of the suffering that I have gone through here on this earth. And if this suffering can't even be compared to the glory, that's pretty incredible. I have written in the margin of one of my Bibles that I'm not just waiting for the glory of heaven, but I'm looking for the power of his glory to be revealed in me while I am still here on this earth. I don't want to wait for heaven to have his glory and be filled with his glory that goes beyond my suffering. And I think it's possible to have that. How about the promise of Jesus telling us that he will never leave us or forsake us in Hebrews 13:5? And that is not a promise based on conditions. It's not based on how you feel about him. It's not based on any circumstance. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. It is set and firm no matter what we choose to do or not to do, whether we can feel him in the darkness or not. And I was, I was hit, I'll, I'll say, with this one day from the devotional book, Jesus Calling. And I read, I'm with you and for you, your constant companion and provider. The question is whether you are with and for me. Though I never leave you, you can essentially leave me by ignoring me, 
or thinking or acting as if I'm not with you. And if you have that book, Jesus Calling, this was the reading for April 8th, if you want to take a look at it for yourself. Over the years, I have struggled with having enough faith to please my father. Based on Hebrews 11.6, when he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And one day I was crying. I was wanting to have the kind of faith that pleased him. And here I was in such deep pain over the death of my daughter. And it's like, where's my faith? What? I, it just, I was so angry at myself for being in such darkness and pain. And it's like, where's my faith? Where's my faith? And in the midst of all my tears, God told me how much pleasure I was bringing him because of my deep faith. And he showed me his perspective. I was thinking I was in this darkness and, and just being consumed by the pain of this because I didn't have enough faith in him. But the thing is, it's easy to believe and walk with him when things are going good in our life. Maybe we're feeling his presence. Maybe we're having dreams or visions. God's speaking things to our heart. We're reading the word and getting all kinds of revelation. It's easy to believe and walk with him then. But it takes a whole lot more faith to keep on when you don't see those things, when God seems silent and life is so hard and you're just consumed by the darkness of grief. See, great faith brings him great pleasure. And when we're still grabbing for him and saying, I'm not letting you go, God, you're my only hope, you're my only way out of this darkness, that's faith that's bringing him great pleasure. And as you keep on trusting him in your pain, even though you can't see where he's leading you in all of this, you are bringing him great pleasure as well. So what are the fears that you are carrying right now? Is it something God would have you carry? I don't think so. So are you willing to lay them down at the feet of Jesus who is sitting on his throne as king and leave them there so that you can move forward in freedom. And I want to remind you that God says that we can come to him boldly, come to his throne of grace boldly to find help in time of need. He doesn't say, come to my judgment, my throne of judgment. He says, come to my throne of grace. See, there's grace for us in the midst of this darkness and in the midst of the turmoil. There's grace for us, and there's freedom in surrender. I've experienced that in my life over and over again. It's kind of like we're digging through the garbage trying to survive when God wants to hand us a steak, but we won't take it because we don't want to give up the garbage. Crazy, isn't it? Sometimes we want to hang on to this darkness and we feel like if we let go of it, we're letting go of our child and there's just so many fears and it's so hard to let go. But God always replaces, when he takes something from us, he replaces it with something better. And I'm not talking about taking your child. God didn't take your child. Yes, he allowed our children to transfer ahead of us from this earth to our eternal home. But when we give him our fears and we give him the darkness, we give him the turmoil, we give him the confusion, we give him the anger, we give him the struggles, then he's going to replace it with something better. And it is a process. It is a process. And we have to keep stepping into this, even if it's a teeny tiny step, 
to move forward. And if you say yes and hand over those fears, then God can move in and begin to turn things around for you. There are things that we need to give to God for him to do. But there are some things that we can do ourselves. And right now, you can speak to the mountain of fear in your life and tell the lies behind that fear that you're going to believe the truth that God's perfect love for you casts out all fear. You know, even though my daughter died, I can honestly say from the depths of my heart that I am so very, very blessed. And how can I say that? Because I am. I refuse to remain focused on the pain of my loss. Do I still feel the pain? Yes. Do I still come under the weight of it? Yes. Do I still have days where I just cry and sob? Yes. But I'm not going to stay there and focus on the loss. See, I'm determined to go forward, focused on who and what I still have. I've given God the shattered pieces of my life, and I'm watching him not only fix it, but to make it into something even more beautiful than it was before, believe it or not. Only a God who specializes in miracles can do that. And I also refuse to live in the fear of the what-ifs, of more loss. That is one of my greatest fears that I have to fight. Because once we've lost one of our children, we know it can happen to us, and we know it can happen again. And so that's one of the fears that I personally have to fight. That's my greatest battle of fear in this child loss journey. But the thing is, if that happens, I know that I know that I know that God will give me the grace I need to get through it. He's given me the grace I need to get through this one with Becca, and I know he'll get me through if it happens again. So why waste my time on the darkness of fearing what might not happen? I would much rather live my life full of light and hope of a better tomorrow, both here on earth and in my eternal home with Becca. See, you and I are blessed with so much that has not been taken from us. The bottom line is that fear and faith come from the same root. They come from the same place. And that is our belief in the unknown. We don't know the future. And we can either fear the unknown future, or we can have faith in the unknown future that God is already there. God is eternal. He's already in our future there for us, no matter what happens. So when I said that there is no easy fix or solution to this, in a way that might not be true, because it's a choice. It's a choice of choosing which unknown are we going to start believing in and acting on. Yeah, it it might sound easy to say, but it doesn't mean it's easy to do. But it does boil down to that simple thing. We get to choose whether we're going to walk in fear and be tormented by those fears that we have. And we have them. We have them, okay? I gave you a list at the beginning of this podcast of there are six more episodes, and each one is going to address a different fear that we have to fight against after our child dies. 
but it is our choice whether we're going to continue to give into that and be tormented by it or whether we're going to choose to trust God with our future. And all these things, these fears that try to come on us and torment us and plague us. This episode, like I said, is just the introduction to talking about our fears. And for the next six episodes, my friend, she's a precious friend to me. She's a bereaved mom. Pastor Lynn Breeden is going to be joining me. She lost her five-year-old son, Joel, to cancer over 30 years ago. And she has such a deep wealth of experience to draw on, along with so much compassion and love for those of us on this road behind behind her. I know you're going to love hearing from her, and I hope you don't miss any of these next six episodes. We are going to move on now into our birthday segment that we have every week. We have four birthdays that I want to announce on this episode. First, we have Jessica Lynn Zerlong. Jessica was born on July 9th, and she is forever 30 years old. Stephanie Waters, her birthday is July 10th, and Stephanie is forever 21. We also have Eviardo Martinez, and I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. His birthday is July 11th, and he is forever 19. And then we have Clifford Patrick Keenan Jr. His birthday is also July 11th, and he is forever 24. So we celebrate the day that these four came into the world, and we remember them with you. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced on this podcast the week of their birthday, just go to gpshope.org birthdays, and there will be a form there. Fill it out, submit it, and we will add your child to the list and announce his or her birthday. I would be blessed and honored to do that. Before I wrap it up, there's just a couple things I want to mention to you. Do you feel like it would be nice to put away your I'm doing okay mask to the people around you and just hang out in a beautiful, tranquil setting with a small group of bereaved parents, the people around you who get it? Well, you can. GPS is hosting a weekend retreat. It's October 18th to the 20th in the beautiful rolling hills of Iowa. (laughs) Believe it or not, Iowa has beautiful rolling hills. We have a lodge rented, and a group of 14 of us are going to relax, encourage each other, share our children with each other, laugh, and yeah, we'll probably shed a few tears together, but that's not going to be the the purpose of it or the gist of it. If you think it just sounds like a morbid time getting together with a bunch of other parents and feeling like you don't want to be around a group of people who are a mess like me, well, that's exactly what I thought when Becca died. But I made myself go to a one-day conference. As a matter of fact, 
Lynn Breeden, the one who's joining me, is the one who hosted this conference. It's the only conference she's ever hosted. And as we were starting to record these podcasts that are you're going to be listening to, she realized maybe that's why I felt led to have that conference, because it was our connection to each other. And you'll get to hear about how connected we are, what God has done with the two of us and together, and how much we've we've been able to help grieving parents together. But I went to her conference in Indiana. I live in Wisconsin. I made myself go to this, and it turned out it was wonderful and healing to be around a group of people who were a mess like me. They got it. And I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to run and hide. I didn't have to put a mask on. And we could laugh if we felt like laughing. It was just wonderful. And I felt like I've got to start doing conferences. And so what we want to do is not only do conferences, but have weekend retreats so that we can get away for an entire weekend and just be ministered to body, soul, and spirit. So that's what we're going to do. The early bird price for this ends on July 31st. So make sure you check it out and register and get your deposit in right away before July 31st, before the price goes up. You can find out all the information on it by going to www.gpshope.org retreat. If you didn't catch that, you can go to the podcast show notes. There will be a link there for that. And the other thing I just want to mention to you is that we are putting our itinerary together for October through April. And if you're in Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, Utah, the Las Vegas area in Nevada, Colorado, Kansas, or Nebraska, we're making a big loop in that area from Wisconsin And we would love to get together with you. We would love to meet up with you. And this can be as simple as meeting for a lunch somewhere, getting a small group of parents together for just a casual evening. Or if you are part of a support group, we could come and speak and share at your support group. We would also love the opportunity to bring our one-day conference or the weekend retreat. If you'd be willing to work together with us to make it happen, Get a hold of us because we really, really, really want to meet you. We want to meet others that you know who have lost a a child. I just can't say that enough. So if you're in any of these states and you want to find out if we can work something out as we head your way, email us right away because, like I said, we're getting our itinerary together. Send an email to office at gpshope.org because we would love to bring the Hope Mobile to you for a visit. So with that, we'll close out this episode. And like I said earlier, I really, really hope that you join us for the next six episodes. They're going to be good, especially if you're dealing with fears after the death of your child. I think these are going to be really valuable to you. So with that, I just want to remind you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.